Welcome back to another episode of Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks Podcast. I'm your host, Lawrence Brooks. I'm here with my co-host, Corbin Ford, and we are here to break down another Dallas game, another playoff game, which is uh, game four. We'll talk about game five. But before we start, let me make sure I let my listeners know Please take a moment to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow those guys now. They do an incredible job. They work around the clock and they make things great for everyone that loves the sport of basketball. That being said, Corbin, man, a little bit of a disappointment in that game. I felt like it was a little too much Luca for me. Even is that is that I feel like it's dirty to say that, <laughs> but um, but it just it didn't work out quite that way. Although I was extremely happy to see him back on the floor. He played 34 minutes, um, scored 30 points, had 10 assists, um, did what Luca does, but it just didn't work out in our favor. What, what were your thoughts on him coming back? I think the way that Luca played was solid. It was more the Mavericks trying to adjust to how they can fit around him. Um, I think that you saw even when it came down to the clutch moments, you had um, Jalen Brunson maybe a little bit too accommodating um, in terms of making sure we get the ball to Luca instead of attacking a matchup that was probably more favorable to him. So in my mind, I think that Luca played well, um, as best he could from the injury. I mean, 30 and 10 looking good. Uh, but bottom line, it was just down the stretch executing. And I think that was just the byproduct of a Mavericks team that had gotten used to playing without Luca in terms of a hierarchy in this series that now had to adjust on the fly. And maybe the adjustment wasn't as good as was hoped for. Yeah. And, and so for me, I mean, I, with that being the obvious thing, and I don't want to lead it with trying to insinuate that somehow having Luca back is a bad thing. Cause of course, not at all. And I think you hit the nail on the head saying they were trying to adjust to him just as much as he was trying to adjust to them. Um, but I mean, there's a number of things we can look at in this game for starters. I think, you know, you look at a guy and, and this is something I talked about in the very first uh, podcast to start the playoff series, or I should say the second uh, podcast where I just talked about Maxi Kleber needing to be, a more valuable contribution to this series, which he has stepped up incredibly. But on the flip side, he's been in foul trouble, and that has hurt this team a little bit, especially in a game like yesterday um, where they didn't win. And, you know, when you when you win, it cares all, right? Like there's really nothing to really sneeze home about in terms of, oh, what they could have done here, could have done this. Like did you win or did you not? But mm-hmm. when you lose, there's obviously things you can highlight. And so here – for me, talking about, you know, Maxi Kleber, who is clearly their best defending big and clearly their best jump shooting big. And when he's not in the game, they had to go extremely small at one point, playing Dorian Finney-Smith at the five. You had to play uh, much more Dwight Powell, which, um, you know, limits some of their scoring ability and some of the way they can stretch the floor. And overall, he didn't even play 20 minutes yesterday, and, and he was just kind of held, you know, to having a, a, a very non-productive day. And what ended up being, you know, I mean, you know, he was a negative five for the game and it just wasn't a good game all around. How do you view Maxi Kleber in terms of his importance to this series and how he, you know, what he needs to do to stay engaged and stop fouling, so to speak? Well, that's the thing. I think that for um, Maxi, uh, especially 
we already know the value he provides on the defensive end, right? Being able to switch um, and defend players from a down the Mitchell to a, a Bojan Bogdanovic, but it's on the offensive end that he's really become a key X factor for the Mavericks. Him being able to knock down shots and force the Jazz to really um, stay home. You know, on those outside shooters, opening lanes for, as we've seen, Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie. Now we look back and it's um, um, bringing back, of course, Luka Doncic. So when you have a player of Maxi Kleber who can knock down these shots, then, of course, you know, it forces adjustments that if they're not done, the Jazz are a lot more comfortable. You know, I mean, you could arguably say that at the end, you know, picking between a Maxi Kleber who'd missed a couple of shots or a Spencer Dinwiddie on the wing is, you know, what saved the Jazz with Rudy Gobert making the right decision in closing out, of course, to um, Spencer Dinwiddie. But if Maxi Kleber had been hitting shots like he was, well, I, I'm sorry, that was Dorian Finney-Smith in the corner at that play. But the point being is that with that type of shooting, it just opens up the floor and forces the defense to adjust in ways that they're not usually able to. So him being out of foul trouble, I think, is, is obviously important, but not only just because of the defense he provides, but also the offensive X fact that he's continued to be so far. You just you just uh, I was going to get into it in a little bit, but you already pointed it out. So let me let's let's touch on it a little bit. The last <laughs> sorry, play of the, jump the, the gun. No, it's okay. It's, it's totally fine. <laughs> the last play of the game. So, there's, I mean, it has worked out and it has not worked out. I mean, over the season, Jason Kidd has been known not to call the, a timeout to advance the basketball because for whatever reason, it gives them more of a rhythm trying to get downhill in terms of what they want to get into, whatever action they're looking to get into to, to end a game. But in yesterday's game, when they came down court and it was obvious they were going to try to get the ball back to Luca, and then they just loaded up on him and basically doubled him to make sure he gets the ball out of his hands, which cut off his ability to drive to the basket and made it a very predictable final possession. What are your, what's your thoughts there? Should they have advanced the basketball? Um, should they have tried to get something going a little more downhill and not in a handoff action? Cause I feel like that kind of stymied the last possession. And I mean, it's one of those, situations where you look at it and Dinwiddie has certainly made that shot before um, but he's struggling in this series something we'll touch on as well but it just seemed like the last possession just got kind of junky and they didn't really get a good look out of it which can happen um, in a game like that but what are your thoughts on the final play honestly I thought that Jalen Brunson should have kept the ball I mean look at how he's been carving up uh, the Jazz perimeter players all series long, right? Um, yeah, you had a little bit of a step back, a little bit of regression here in this game, but a lot of that you could attribute to Luka Doncic, you know, retaking some over um, of that usage. But I liked Jalen Brunson bringing the ball up in that situation where he could find his way to the basket or as we've seen time and again over the course of the last three games or so, you know, dishing out to the open man for an open jumper. Um, that driving kick gen that driving kick game that offense has been generated from that action, I think will be a lot more um a lot more of a of a go-to factor than just giving Luca the ball in this situation. We didn't have enough time to really do anything. And it forced the Dallas offense into something my, like just majorly predictable. You know, at the time it came to Luca in the corner, okay, not enough time to make a move. You either take the shot or you swing it over to Spencer Dimity. At that point, Spencer really has only one option. That's either shoot the ball and hope he makes it 
shoot the ball and get impacted slash blocked by Rudy and lose it or don't shoot the ball and lose it. Like those are the three options that were available to Spencer Dimley at that time. So I do think that had Jalen Brunson just grabbed the ball and attacked the defense straight up, you might've had a better chance of either knocking down an open shot, uh, getting to the free throw line, or if nothing else, at least generating an open shot. But at this point, I get the urge of giving Doncic the ball. And that was something that, I mean, the guy produced, you know, he's been their guy all year. He's been their guy since he came in and this is game back. Like it was maybe more of a muscle memory to do so than take advantage of some situation that might've worked out in the Mavericks favor. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we talk about missing and making shots, you know, the cliche goes, it's a miss or make league. Right. And in this case, you know, Dallas yesterday, and now they've been shooting the ball really well, especially um, most notably in game two and three. Um, you know, and, and really has put themselves in position where they could have take, taken a commanding 3-1 lead, but they did not do that. Yesterday, they just didn't make a lot of shots, especially from the perimeter. Now, that being said, they hit 15 threes, but they were 15 of 44, which put them at about 34%. Um, they, they had some times in the game where they heated up, specifically in the third quarter where they came storming back, took a lead. And from there, it became kind of a volleyball match in terms of guys making plays, taking a lead the opposing team, um, you know, making plays, taking a lead. But looking at Spencer Dinwiddie, a guy who's who hasn't shot well throughout this series at all, has not necessarily put his imprint on this series. He's had a couple of big shots, but overall as a steady producer, hasn't necessarily been his best. And I'm hoping that I can keep the, the podcast magic going because it seems like whoever I highlight and point out that needs to do better, ends up having better games. So hopefully this will be the case for Spencer Dinwiddie. But taking yesterday's game, he was two of nine from the field, one of five from the three-point line. He was a minus 14 for the game. He only had four point. I mean, um, excuse me, five points. And when I'm watching him play, the thing that I see is that whichever way he's trying, his decision-making seems to be, ill-timed on both fronts and what I mean by that is when he's looking to attack it looks forced and it's not necessarily the most opportune um, time to do so then when it's actually time for him to attack it seems as if he's scanning the floor and I find myself looking at the tv saying hey this is a time where he should probably go and attack at this point so it's to me it seems like the rhythm is off and and the awareness of when to pick his spots isn't necessarily on point right now, but on top of that, he's just not making shots. What do you take away from his production? What do you think he can do better to put himself in a position to produce um, as they'll need him as it now turns into a three-game series? I think a lot of it comes down to just Spencer Dimity taking what the defense gives him, you know, not being tentative in moments where he should be aggressive, maybe not being uh, aggressive to shoot himself out of a slump or, or, or get himself on the board when there are better passes to be made. I think that in terms of the offense, like the looks he's going to get or the looks he's going to get, you know, whether the Mavericks decide to showcase him more or try to build his confidence. I, I think we're in game what, game five. Like mm-hmm. the, the time isn't there now to try to build a player's confidence. Either there or it's not, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's been in big moments. He's hit big shots both before and during his Mavericks career here, I think it's a matter of him realizing, okay, listen, Luca's back. You know, Jalen Brunson's been great. I don't need to trip out. You know, I can set the table for these guys to get advantageous um, scoring opportunities. I can look for our big guys, you know, find Dwight Powell rolling, find Maxi Kleber and Dorian Finney-Smith in the corners, or 
I can get to the rim. If I get myself, or, you know, on an ISO situation with a big, I can get to the basket. I got to focus and trust that my three-point shot will come back and I can knock that down a high clip. You know, it's more mental from what I'm seeing than any logistic changes that the Mavericks coaching staff can put in place to free uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. It's all up top for me. Um, and I think that's what's going to have to take just the mindset of, hey, we can't. We have a very good chance of winning this series right now. We can't afford to find ourselves in a crisis of confidence, you know. And you brought up some of it looking tentative. Like that's not. There's no scheme that's going to change a play. We've seen that with Philadelphia 76 and Ben Simmons. There's no scheme on earth that's going to change a timid player or a player who you know is having a moment in the clutch where they're not coming up big to change that. So it's really up to the player. I'm looking at Spencer Dimitri to make a personal determination to, hey, improve my level of play, because I think we all can see that it's been subpar over the last two games or so. Yeah, and, and Mavericks Nation has been gloating a lot about the fact that this looks like it has been a great trade, and if he wants that trend to continue, they're definitely going to need him to be all hands on deck trying to win these last two games, because it absolutely be sort of tough. Um, before we keep going, let me let everyone know we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, plus either two or free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points want to share the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Okay, so that being said, we know Spencer Dinwiddie needs to step up. We know Maxi Kleba has to stop fouling. Um, and those were kind of the obstacles that they faced with this game on top of the fact that they just didn't shoot the ball well. And you have to make shots um, to win these games. And it's going to come down to shot making more so than anything else. Um, unfortunate game. They had this game right in their right in their hands. They actually took a four-point lead with 40 seconds to go and still ended up losing this game, which sucks <laughs> because they Luca hits a step back three. They go up four. They immediately come down. Donovan Mitchell gets an and one. And then Dwight Powell goes to the line, misses two free throws, and they end up giving this game away. And, and free throws can – and that's always a bad omen. When you're missing free throws, it somehow, some way comes back to haunt you. And so they just have to not put themselves in that position to do so. But looking forward um, to game five, for me, I think the, one, of the, one of the main priorities is Maxi Kleber has to be on the floor. Um, I think they, and I think it's not necessarily, it's not about points scored. It's about the impact defensively that they'll need from him because he's their best defending big and he stretches the floor, which just gives them a better ecosystem offensively. What do you see in game five that they need to do? What's on the top of your mind in terms of they need to do, absolutely do this to win? I think you made an excellent point. Um, that is, that's certainly one thing on my list. The second thing I think is trying to figure out ways to um, rest Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock in situations that are advantageous. You know, with the return of Doncic in rotation, uh, Kid was able to rest Brunson more effectively and basically take Davis Bertans out entirely. But you got these guys, and we talked about this last show, Lawrence, in terms of Dorian Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock. 
who are playing, what, 86 out of the possible 96 minutes is from Tim Cato of The Athletic? Like, that's insane, you know, um, in terms of the workload they have. And it's not like they have a light stretch. Like, they're defending players. They're constantly put in action. They're constantly switching and isoing on the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, they have to have enough juice in their legs to be able to knock down threes at a high clip or as good a clip as possible. So that's something I'm looking at as a second point. I think the third, obviously is making sure that foul trouble uh, to Maxi Kleber is not a thing. You know, he's crucial in this. And if you had him for another 10 minutes or so, what a difference do you think that would be on the defensive end, right? You know, the difference maybe between Donovan Mitchell and the end one, you know, or, you know, I, I, maybe um, who goes to the free throw line? Dwight Powell's maybe not in there. You know what I mean? Um, that does make a difference as well. So I think other than that, to me, this is where we come down to, adjustments have been made and they've been made again, right? You've had adjustments, counter adjustments, the whole like we're in game five right now. The game plan is clear. It's about execution. You know, which team executes the best down the stretch. And for me, I think for Dallas, that's uh, avoiding, you know, the, the random variables, like you said, the foul trouble, um, a certain player, you know, losing confidence and really focusing on, okay, this is what we're trying to do to use our defense. This is what we're trying to do on the offensive end to make advantageous situations for us. Can we buckle down and keep that energy? And I think if they can, you know, then, then it's going to work out. Yeah, and, and for me, I, I, on top of everything that we've said, I think something else that I've, that I've seen that they can probably do a better job of in game five is the matchup hunting that became such a strong part of how they control game two and three. Yeah. I feel like in game four, you know, Luka was seeking out Bogdanovich and Rudy Gobert a lot and those are probably two of their better defenders now I know Rudy doesn't defend the perimeter well and I feel like part of their game plan was to try to get him pulled out so they can get the lob to Dwight Powell a little more because when he's when Dwight Powell and Luka play together that's that's something they go to but I think they have to get back to attacking Jordan Clarkson Mike Conley uh Donovan Mitchell I don't think they did as much um advantageous matchup hunting as they did in games two and three which i found to be kind of odd because it was based on how successful they were they were at it um I, i'm hoping that they get back to that in game five and because it's something that's exploitable and it won't change we've talked about how you know how abysmal the perimeter defense has been but it's it's been highlighted to be even more abysmal because of the players that they're attacking and so if you're not if you're spending time attacking guys who don't help you exploit that matchup, I think it's a little counterproductive. So hopefully they get back to that as well. And so muted myself. Very good point. Sorry. I was talking and I forgot I had myself muted. It's either <laughs> one or the other. You know how this goes, Lawrence. But no. <laughs> Excellent point there as well. And you're right about that. I, I have to agree. I'm 100 percent. I didn't even think about that as something um, that you looked at in terms of, hey, if you may, if you're looking at a mismatch. If you're trying to seek out a defender, the idea is that you have an advantage on that player. There's no use in hunting a mismatch that's not really a mismatch. And so you're right, being more selective and making full use of that. And if you don't have it, then it's fine. Don't force it. I think it's, a, it's great. I See, I had so much more good points in that 30 seconds. I was talking to myself, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, so that being said, we clearly we have tonight's game, game five. These games get bigger by the, by the day. Um, they play at 630. I'm sure everyone will be tuning in. And so obviously to end this, obviously they have to make shots. I mean, it's a make or miss league. Like we say, it's super cliche. Everyone's heard it. 
but they have to put the ball in the basket, most notably um, the, the, the surrounding cast. So you need a little more from Spencer Dinwiddie. You need a little more from Maxi Kleber, who can very well get back to what he was doing because he was actually on fire for a little bit here. And so if they do that, I still find them to be in great shape because, again, with all the miscues and hiccups they had in game in game four, the game was still right there for the taking. And sometimes this happens. You end up on the opposite side of, of kind of a clunky game. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping that they can get back on the, you know, on, on the right track, take control of this series and try to close it out. That seems like a game, winning game plan to me as well. The hope is that, you know, you get this win. Now we're looking at a limit, win, one game, win and move on. You know, um, I think this is one where Dallas looks at how they execute down the stretch. They take some notes from that. We've seen them, you know, let's say over the off day and really focused on that. And now, okay, let's put ourselves in a better situation now where if such an opportunity arises again, we don't come up short. I think, like we said, we've seen two pretty decently matched squads. Uh, and this was before the integration of Luca back in this series. So now with one game under his belt, the numbers look great, but let's see the impact kind of go and work in some pots go with the rest of the Mavericks in this, in this uh, game here. Most definitely. Again, everyone, please subscribe and download the Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at Ethos Mavericks, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K-S. Um, also, you can follow me on Twitter. My personal Twitter is LB Said It. That's L-B-S-A-I-D-I-T. And continue to, you know, give us feedback. Leave a five-star review. Leave a one-star review and tell us why it's not as great. But either way, we thank you all for listening. I know everyone will be tuned in tonight for a big game. And uh, Corbin, let everyone know where they can find you as well. I appreciate that, man. You can find me on Twitter at Corbin MBA. Make sure to check out the Roundball Ramble podcast, another one of the great sports ethos podcasts. Not only where you find them, Roundball Ramble, but also on um, sportsethos.com. But as always, Lawrence, it's a fun one. Thank you again, man. Yeah, hopefully the Mavericks get this one. I really, I really feel like. Uh, I have a good vibe of this game. Yeah, yeah. I hope I, I'm, I feel like they can get back on on the good foot here, and uh, we'll get back to it with another podcast, and it'll be a little more happy because they'll be off of a win. So thank you again. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you soon. Everyone, be safe out there. Go Mavs. <laughs>